Your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Hi, welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. No Cammy, she is uh, dealing with some personal things, going to a funeral. So today, I got my good buddy John Williams joining me. Uh, John and I have worked in the past with Dallas Cowboy podcast stuff, but you know, I know John and John's a big, big 12 fan. Uh, don't worry, John, I'm not gonna tell him that you're actually a senior fan, so you don't have to worry about that. That's uh, okay, yeah. They, they, uh, nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow, <laughs> shots fired on no, lockdown long. That's, an old, that's an, old radio, an old radio joke, yeah, of course. It always is. Uh, so it's been a uh, hectic week. Um, within the landscape of college football, the landscape of Big 12. Uh, obviously, we had the Big 10, the Pac-12 announced that they canceled uh, their season, hoped to play in the spring. Uh, meanwhile, the SEC, the ACC, and obviously the Big 12 are kind of – they're going to stay put for now, attempt to play the season. Uh, Commissioner Bob Bolsey came out and that they were going to test three times a week for COVID-19 and they have EKGs to, to deal with the, the cardiomyopathy that they're worried about uh, and that opponents are going to have to adhere to their standards. And I thought it was interesting, and you would know because you're an Oklahoma guy, Oklahoma is set to play Missouri State, but it's going to be their only game of the year because FCS is completely canceled. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a, an interesting um, situation for both teams, really. You know, Missouri State is a school that is definitely going to be playing a, a team that's way out of their league. But we've seen in the past, you know, where, where a team that is motivated enough can knock off a, you know, an unsuspecting, you know, a team that's not really ready for them. Um, you know, and with the way this offseason has gone and, and the lack of spring football this year, you know, there's no telling what's going to happen, you know, week one, I, you know, obviously I, I want to believe that the Sooners are going to be able to roll in to Norman and face Missouri state and not have any problems with them. But we're also looking at somebody like Spencer Rattler, who's reportedly going to be taking over at quarterback. And it's going to be his first start as an NCAA quarterback. And there's a lot of hype surrounding this kid. A lot of people think he's going to be a Heisman contender. However, again, it's his first start. And so, you know, nobody expected Army to be able to beat Oklahoma, and they, and they did. And so given the circumstances surrounding this college football season, there's no telling what's going to happen. Yeah, and that, that's the interesting part, and I think it's funny. Obviously, you would have some expertise on this. I, and this is not to say that I don't think Spencer Rattler is going to be great at all. Uh, I just don't understand how you can say he has better Heisman odds than senior quarterback Sam Ellinger, who has done it. You know, who is, uh, over the last two years, he's leading the NCAA as far as all these statistics, completion percentages, touchdowns, total touchdowns, total offense. And it's like, so this guy's proven that he can do it, but yet the odds makers are saying Rattler, and I get it, multiple Eisman Trophy winners. He had a finalist last year. Each and every season, it seems like Lincoln Riley has that, but at the same time, I – I just have a hard time with them putting him over Ellinger, uh, considering, like you said, first start. He's completed seven passes in, in his NCAA career. 
Uh, is it a foregone conclusion it's Rattler? I mean, are they, is Mordecai in there at all? I mean, Lincoln Riley will come out and he'll say it's a competition until he announces it. And it probably won't be until the Missouri State week that he actually makes an announcement. Uh, but I, I think most people are expecting that it's going to be Spencer Rattler. The guy comes in with a lot of, um, not just height, but a lot of talent. I, you know, his, his arm talent is is all, you know, is every bit that Kyler Murray had. I mean, he, he's as quick as Kyler Murray. I mean, he's got a little bit of the same kind of swagger that Baker Mayfield had. Uh, and so I, I think most people are expecting Lincoln Riley just to roll with his first kind of homegrown, first recruited quarterback and uh, and see where it takes him. You know, I think you know Spencer Rattler's got the attitude and the and the kind of that moxie and makeup to step in and, and help the Sooners re- repeat as Big Twelve champions. Uh, but again, we got to see it. I, I think you know people are are at this point where they just believe that. Lincoln Riley can kind of turn anything into gold and, and we've seen it, you know, we've seen him take transfer quarterbacks, albeit, you know, players that had some talent, uh, but they didn't really reveal that talent in their previous locations. Uh, and Spencer Rattler, he was the number one quarterback recruit uh, coming out of high school. And so he's a guy that's got a lot of expectations. Um, and so yeah. I don't imagine that we'll see anybody but uh, Spencer Rattler starting football games for the Sooners this fall. I believe we'll see some Tanner Mordecai just because as games get out of hand, um, you know, Lincoln Riley will, will get his back up some snaps. Yeah, no, and I get that. Um, but I want to circle back to something you said. You said he has the swagger of a Baker Mayfield. So I already don't like the guy just right there. <laughs> right um, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what, Happened yesterday, NCAA president Mark Emmert came out and says no fall championships, meaning volleyball is not going to have a championship. Uh, soccer is not going to have a championship. Basketball is not affected for the simple fact that that's a spring championship because those happen in March. Do you feel like he's trying to put pressure on the three major Power Five conferences that are still in play, trying to, to get them to maybe – say, you know what, maybe we should back off. Maybe we should go ahead and postpone to spring and, and go the way that it seems like everybody else is going. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly, that's certainly a possibility, but I don't think he's got really much leverage in, in this situation. You know, the, At all. I, I feel like what people don't realize is that the conferences and really the schools have all the leverage in college football. You know, the NCAA is kind of the organizing body, and they're the ones that kind of – get to put their name on everything, yeah. but without the schools kind of saying, yes, we will follow your lead. They don't really have much power and they don't have much leverage. And so what we could be seeing, and, and I think what's happening in California over the last year is, car- is starting to show, you know, states and conferences are willing to, out- to act outside of the kind of guidelines or um, rules of the NCAA to try and gain some some advantage, you know the Cal, you know the Pac-12 has really fallen down as a conference, and so California decided, hey, you know what, let's start allowing players to to make money off their likeness, and I think that's going to be a you know a big recruiting tool for them, and until other states are able to follow suit, uh, you know the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, um, you know they they've got all the the leverage in this situation. They could decide, you know, what, we're going to create our own national championship. 
between the three schools and go talk to somebody like Jerry Jones and say, hey, you want to host a national championship this year? And Jerry Jones would be like, how much money can we make off of this? And, uh, and there will be a, a game. And there are a lot. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. The college football playoff committee said that they're going to move forward, which is who the fall championship is through. So obviously that's the route they got to go. And that's the route you got to worry about. Um, and, you know, and, and if they're saying that they're going to go forward, then what Mark Emmerich is saying has basically no bearing whatsoever. You know, they could essentially go into a college football playoff scenario where it is three conferences, 38 teams, and just say top school from each conference, you're in, and one wild card, you know, whoever's the next top rank. You know, they don't need the other power fives. They don't need the other group of fives that have this game. They can still go through it because pretty much if you're in the power five, you were going to qualify for this college football playoff. So that's where it yeah. sits right now. Uh, for, is like you were saying, Mark Emmer has no say so whatsoever over FBS. The conferences run FBS. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know the it's the the commissioners, um, and really the commissioners are beholden to the schools. And if the schools decide we want to we want to play, then they're going to play. And um, if they decide to create their own format, it it'll come. You know, money is just like in the NFL. Money is the the big motivator, and it's while the NCAA should be amateur athletics. It's not. And, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we're at a, we're at a point in time where yes, the NCAA commissioner can kind of make these grand, um, statements, but unless he's able to get the conferences to follow suit, they're just, they're kind of empty words. They are Um, empty words. That is for sure. All right. But, uh, coming up next, I'm going to get into a conversation uh, talked with Adrian Broadus of ESPN in El Paso. Talked a lot about the upcoming matchup between Texas and UTEP. Uh, and then I also have my conversation with Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. And we talked about the former Longhorns heading forward. But I want to thank you, John, for hopping on the show. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, and I hope we talk soon, man. I want to take a moment to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. Rock Auto is great. It's fantastic. You got to check them out. It is so convenient right now with everything going on. You don't want to get out. You don't want to go into a store. You don't want to stand in line at AutoZone, Family Auto, O'Reilly's. Try to tell them what it is that you're dealing with. You just want to go online. So you got to go rockauto.com. Check them out, every make, every model, anything that you could possibly think that you might need. I need a new taillights on my truck. So I went to rockauto.com. I got my taillights, got them installed, uh, and now my truck is street legal once again. Or you could be like uh, Ross Jackson, who's going to be on the show here shortly. He need a new tailgate for his truck, so we went to rockauto.com. So check them out, rockauto.com. Tell me your friends over at Locked on Longhorn sent you. All right, I am joined now by Adrian Broadus. He is part of ESPN El Paso. You can hear him on 600 AM in El Paso. Adrian, thanks for uh, hopping on. I know it's been a busy few days as far as everything's going with the UTEP Athletic Department. 
Hey, Patrick, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's been been a wild couple of uh, couple of days. I mean, we heard on Friday about four positive cases internally within the UTEP football department. And now we're talking today about them resuming practice this upcoming Saturday and having all eyes set on playing Texas September 12th. Yeah, so when he spoke with the media, uh, it seemed like everything was point forward. He was right on schedule with the words that I heard. Uh, to play Texas. Um, so, you know, that that's exciting. I mean, obviously, it's a big thing for UTEP to play that game uh, just from a, a money standpoint, uh, you know, and, and that's why a lot of these schools like UTEP play these big games because of that aspect of it. Uh, but what's, what's the feeling around the program um, as far as playing? I know Conference USA put out the most passive message <laughs> As far as we're still thinking about it, uh, but as far as UTEP is concerned, they're dead set on playing, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, great question. And in fact, um, it's funny today uh, we we heard word about how all eyes are really on Texas on September 12th for the miners, and you got to really go back and and ch- and check on that Texas Tech game that was actually postponed by the Red Raiders. It was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be the marquee season opener for the Miners on September 5th, but that game was postponed because, you know, the Big 12 is going the nine, the uh, eight conference schedule plus one um, non-conference, so that was really a, a result of that, but the fact that UTEP was able to have that Texas game on September 12th is so big for the athletic department because their game against Nevada was canceled with the suspension of the Mountain West's uh, fall season and then today we heard news about New Mexico State also canceling their fall season so that I mean that right there was UTEP's biggest rivalry so I mean we're we're talking about the game on September 12th against Texas we're talking about the most important one on the season for the minors and of course it all goes back to finances 1.4 million dollar payout for the minors and I asked Jim Center the athletic director for the minors today if with or without fans in Daryl K. Royal Stadium, would that impact the $1.4 million payout with the minors? And he said that, no, that that everything on the table right now is all in set. And so I, I think that's really good news for the minors. If that game gets play, played as scheduled, I think it's one of the most important games this year just because of the payday that the minors will receive. Yeah, and uh, as far as we know right now, just to kind of give you an update on that, uh, 25% capacity, so we're talking 25,000 fans. Uh, they were thinking about 50%, which is allowed by the uh, – that was what Governor had stated, uh, Greg Abbott, that you could have up to 50%. But it looks like the University of Texas Athletics are looking at 25%. So in a 100,000-seat stadium, that's you know 25,000 fans. So I'm not sure how much they're going to allot to UTEP. Um, and how many will be for Texas, but should expect about 25,000 people. As of right now, uh, they haven't said that they will go with no fans at all. Uh, 25% seems to be the thing around the Big 12 is what they're going with. It's funny because today with the the subject obviously of fans attending the Sun Bowl here in El Paso was brought up and Jim Center has, still has plans here in El Paso despite you know positive COVID cases um, you know increasing or or uh, staying uh, in the triple digit numbers here locally he still has plans to have fans in attendance this fall for UTEP and and I thought that was pretty interesting because uh, the Locomotive FC which is the uh, local USL team that has been playing recently they haven't allowed 
without any fans in attendance for their matches that have been at Southwest University Park this season so far. And I found that pretty interesting that uh, Jim Center is still dead set on uh, fans attending the Sun Bowl this fall. So, I mean, hearing that from Texas isn't really a surprise. I, I hope they allot some good uh, space for the media, and I hope I'm able to make the trip out there as well. Yeah, uh, that that's going to be one question uh, when I talk to Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte. That's going to be the first thing I'm going to ask him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the minors here. Uh, obviously, last year was a a letdown year, finishing the season one and eleven. What are some of the uh, things that UTEP is trying to do this year? Is it is it still uh, obviously Dana Dimel is going to want to improve, but what are y'all hoping to see this year? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I'll, I'll go first offense, then defense. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the Miners have really shuffled between uh, seven or eight quarterbacks since 2015 to be their gunslinger. They really haven't had consistency at that, that quarterback position. And this year, they're going to be throwing two young guys without experience, Gavin Hardison and TJ Goodwin in the fire to battle out for the starting quarterback position. So we're talking about that job that's still up in the air. We're also talking about a job at the running back position that will be uh, probably the most loaded group that this team has so far with Quadres Wadley returning as the senior running back. They also have one of El Paso's favorite players in Dion Hankins from Parkland High School, El Paso's all-time leading rusher. He'll be backing up Quadres Wadley at the tailback position. And they've got some good receivers too. Jacob Cowing was an conference USA freshman selection last year and they also have Justin Garrett who's returning so I like their weapons I'm not sure what they're going to bring to the offensive line but everything will all hinge on the quarterback and their ability or inability to uh to show some consistency at the position and, and when we're flipping it over to the defensive side of the ball Patrick what we're seeing right now is the minors kind of shift from the uh, the original 3-4 mentality and now switching over to kind of a 4-3 slash 4-2. It's kind of a, a crazy scheme that Dimble's trying to instill. But uh, nonetheless, I like some of the players returning defensively. The problem right now is just too much JUCO, too many JUCO projected starters on the defensive side. I like Justin Prince, their free safety. I love Praise Amahuli, their uh, defensive end and pass rusher. So uh, I goes for the defense they have the most upside to make the biggest improvement but still Patrick we're talking about a team that that just won uh that has just won two games over the past three years I mean we're also talking about a team that ha hasn't won an FBS game since the likes of beating Rice on the road uh in Dimmel's first year so I, I don't know what to expect for this upcoming year I think that one win honestly would be a, a big a big step forward considering that they don't have NMSU on their schedule anymore and they've got a pretty tough conference USA schedule um I don't know what I excuse me I don't know what the floor is for this program as well I think that it, it could go both ways on this team yeah that kind of was the vibe that I was getting when when I was looking into UTEP and trying to get my preseason notes together on them it was kind of that it was just up in the air not real sure what you're going to get hope that you get something good um Obviously, and we'll find out come September 12th at, at Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Don't know the scheduled kickoff time yet, but I'm hoping that will be announced in the future. Uh, but, Adrian, I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, make sure you definitely check out Adrian's work. Follow him, Adrian underscore Broadus, and check out his work on 600 ESPN Radio.
All right, before we get into my conversation with Ross Jackson, let me tell you about our friends over at Bill Bar. You remember hearing about Bill Bar before? The great tasting energy bar. That's more like a candy bar. They got six new flavors. I'm talking caramel brownie, cookies and cream, the lemon almond cheesecake. Anytime there's cheesecake involved, Patrick's involved. They got carrot cake, almond. They have an apple almond crisp to go along with the 12 flavors you already know. Obviously, peanut butter, the peanut butter brownie, the mint chocolate brownie. I mean, it's fantastic. It tastes great. They got seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs. I mean, we're talking 130 calories. If you're on the go during this pandemic, you got to eat right. Maybe you're going on a walk. You need a little pick-me-up. You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to get healthier. You want to come out of this pandemic healthier than you went in. You got to check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. They're going to give you $10 off your first purchase. Also, if you make a purchase immediately, you're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. You got to check them out. Like I said, it's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You will not be disappointed. Talk a little bit about a couple of players that have already made the transition out of college football and into the NFL. Uh, with the New Orleans Saints here, we have Lil Jordan Humphrey, wide receiver, going into his second year, and Malcolm Roach, defensive lineman, coming in as an undrafted free agent. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about both of these guys. And uh, Patrick, I know you're, you're excited to talk about both of them as well. So why don't we start off with Lil Jordan Humphrey, as he's the guy that has been seen by both fan bases. You know, Saints fans know sort of how he was used in 2019 which is primarily as a blocker, a split end. He was another big body out there that could, you know, take up some space, but also contribute in the run game and uh, and sort of help to contribute in the passing game by either disrupting or throwing picks, you know, that kind of a look uh, for him in 2019. But it's reasonable to expect a step forward for him going into the 2020 season. So can you tell us a little bit more about how he was used at Texas? and what it was that he did there, so that maybe we can get a little bit of a glimpse at what we might see from him in 2020. Yeah, you know, uh, at Texas, he was kind of used as that Z receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was he didn't have to play the X because they had Colin Johnson at the same time, and, you know, they're relatively the same size, same right. stature. Uh, but they like Colin Johnson, that X role, a lot more, so that, they, that allowed the freedom of moving little Jordan Humphrey around. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing about him is is you saw that progression like his freshman season. Uh, we only got to see him for three games. He only had like two catches that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following year, he you know he played in eleven games, thirty seven receptions, six you know uh, one touchdown. But he also can give you a little something running the ball. You mm-hmm. know, it, you know whether you you bring him on like a toss sweep or you know bring him in motion, kind of as we've seen the the game evolve. Uh, you know, so there's a way to bring him, you know, bring him into the backfield if needed. You know, he's that he's a versatile weapon, you know, given that his size, you, you look at him and you think this guy is a guy who stands out on the outside and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. But, but he has some athleticism to him that allows him to do other things. And that was the thing at Texas, they were able to move him around. They could, they could play him outside at the Z or they could play him, you know, 
play him in that slot role. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and the thing with with the offense at Texas, the as you saw last year uh, with Devin Duvernay, who's now at the Ravens, right? You know, the slot is really where they feed their offense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know they will go to the guys outside, but they spend a lot of time doing that. So the thing with Little Jordan is he he can be a high volume guy, as you saw his junior year. 86 receptions. Yeah, he was like 13.7 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. He had nine touchdowns. You know, essentially he had 92 touches overall. You know, right. and in college game, that's a lot <laughs> considering they play less games. Right. You know, it's it. And so when, when you look at him, and, and I know with New Orleans, obviously uh, Michael Thomas is your guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Humphrey can be a guy who can kind of take a little bit of pressure off of him, mm-hmm. not in that he's going to draw coverage away, but maybe if you have a bigger corner, you might want to slide him over to Humphrey because he's 6'5". Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got that ability to go up, get the ball. He's a guy you can move around a lot, and, and he's going to provide you something. Uh, the athleticism, the yards after the catch, yeah. uh, you know, sneaky athleticism, and I really, really think is. that's where he helps out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you we saw it in the preseason last year. He had a big catch and run where he was he was at the same time he was out running dudes. He was also running over dudes because of that size and uh, you know just that that power that he has. And we certainly saw that in the preseason last year, which was our first big glimpse at him. And you know what you mentioned in terms of his versatility, being able to play out wide and in the slot, we saw that with the Saints as well. Thirty five snaps in the slot as opposed to twenty out wide. So they're also using him. Uh, that's not too terrible of a balance. For a guy that really appeared in one, two, three, four, five games for the most part, and then in the uh, the wild card series, look here. When it comes to Jordan Humphrey, I have him making the fifty three man roster right now. I have him as a front runner to be maybe the fourth or fifth wide receiver, or let me say fifth or sixth wide receiver, because technically you also have a, a returner that's going to slide into that number as well. But I have him making this roster because I think that he does have some value beyond just what we saw from him uh, in twenty nineteen in the snaps that he played. Based on what we also saw from him, as you described, that versatility, that athleticism, which you don't expect from a guy his size, and just honestly, his size, the Saints love big slots. That's what they did with Marcus Colson. It's what they did with Brandon Coleman. And now they can do it again with uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey in terms of being able to move him inside and out, just like they do Michael Thomas. Yeah, that was my thing when looking at him. You talk about the big slot, especially in the red zone, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where the Sean Payton can actually use him a lot, and I think that's where he's going to help out the offense the most Yeah, uh, as far as coming into the second year. And then hopefully you see that progression uh, of increased role within the offense because um, I know Sean Payton likes to get tricky. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. he, he has uh, he has Taysom Hill that he also likes to throw in there. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with them. But, uh, you know, and, and even that allows you to move Michael Thomas around. Exactly. Yep. And and so you have this versatility and I and I think it's important, especially in an offense as dynamic as the New Orleans Saints, I think it's important to have multiple guys who can play any of the wide receivers. Absolutely. Roles. Absolutely. And, and so yeah, and so I think that's where Humphreys really helps them out. Yeah. And it's even more important this season with the COVID effects to everything to where you just never know who's gonna get sick when and where. If you have those guys that can play multiple positions like they brought in Ty Montgomery this year, that's a huge piece that could potentially end up contributing. Uh, for that as well. All right, let's shift over to the defensive side. Maybe a little bit of a shorter conversation here because we haven't seen him in a Saints uniform just yet, but just we should today, actually. Uh, But, you know, going into practice really gets in the full swing on the 17th. So next Monday coming up. Uh, But as we get into this, let's talk a little bit about Malcolm Roach. Can you tell me a little bit about how it was that he was used 
at uh at Texas because I know that you know we're talking about versatility with little Jordan Humphrey, but can't can't go without mentioning with uh, Malcolm Roach as well. I imagine. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that he had some versatility at Texas as well. He played linebacker, uh, then he moved into a more defensive end role. The problem is, and Malcolm Roach is very vocal about this. Todd Orlando did not use him in a way that was conducive to 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 being a productive player on the defense, mm. but. Because they went with this 3-3-5 role, and, and the big problem that they had with that defense is they didn't have a premier pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, the the top pass rusher on the entire defense was Joseph Asai, who played linebacker, and he, bef- heading into the bowl game, he was tied with Roach for the lead with two sacks. He got three in the game that gave him five, but that was because they played him in a different role because they had already fired Todd Orlando. So that <laughs> it was really hard when you look at that defense on as far as why didn't it produce better. And I think that really hurt Roach when it came to, you know, his draft outlook. And, you know, mm-hmm. when he went to the NFL PA bowl and he got to work with, you know, NFL coaches, they were so impressed with him because it was so much different than what the tape they saw. Mm-hmm. because they played the four down lineman and he's a guy he can play inside for you he can rush inside he can rush outside he's a great run defender i think he's a guy that you know you can put in there and, and obviously you have another former longhorn uh in malcolm brown that you can play in the middle mm-hmm. and, and you know you can put those two guys i mean they're gonna stop the run from the inside which as we know that seems to be the biggest problem with NFL teams. Right. Those are guys that you can play there. You can play him outside. He's going to provide you some pass rush, uh, but mostly he's he's a better run defender than he is a pass rusher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that, for the most part, I'm, uh, you're okay with uh, for the Saints because they have those premier edge rushers that can handle getting pressure, and they, and they do in Marcus Davenport as well as uh, as well as Cam Jordan. And if you put in, you know, if Sheldon Rankins is healthy and ready to go. You have some rotation of him, uh, of Malcolm Roach, Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, and Malcolm Brown. It's not a bad look for a team to be able to keep those legs fresh. No, not at all. And like you said, like especially with those guys you have on the outside, they're going to take so much pressure off the guys on the inside that you can actually get good pass rush, get good disruption up the middle mm-hmm. with a guy like Malcolm Roach. And I think that's where you really bring some versatility. You can switch them up. Maybe you because uh, I know some defenses, I don't know how the Saints play defense, but I know some defenses, sometimes they'll bring their defensive end inside. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Thanks a guy that a lot. You, 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 know, you, can, you can stunt with him, you can move him around, and, and he's a guy, like I said, he can play inside, he can play outside, so he has that versatility. So that's a reason why I really like the fact that Malcolm Roach, going back home to his home state mm-hmm. and getting the opportunity to play for New Orleans. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition. Of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Uh, make sure you tune in to the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. It's their fan Friday. Uh, Trevor Sikkim, uh, Benjamin Sly. Got to check them out. Got to listen to them. They're fantastic. I must listen to each and every week. Uh, just tell your smart device to play the latest. Of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. I want to thank John Williams, Adrian Broadus. And uh, my man over there at Locked on Saints, Ross Jack, for hopping on the show today. Uh, That is all the time we've got. But uh, coming up on Monday, hopefully we're going to start getting into some preseason battles as we try to get the season as it rolls on. Because we're now less than 30 days away from Texas Longhorns football against UTEP. 
And uh, hopefully we'll have we'll have our main girl Cami back on the show. That's gonna do it for now. But as always, keep it locked on. 